0: ethan it's the end of 2020 dane so it's going very well
1: yes it's finally over you know i did want to say okay so this is our theme today is 2020 we're doing an emergency year end uh, episode i'm gonna shove this to the front of the line in terms of editing because i wanted to you know we're finally music critics and we get to publish <laughs> our list
0: finally finally God, it's taken this long. And finally, somebody recognizes my incredible music criticism. I know. That's somebody being the Pulitzer Committee. And I.
1: Yeah, no, the Pulitzer Committee. We're getting Pulitzer's for this. So, this is our 2020 episode. We're bringing from each of us five songs that were really special to us this year. And no categories this year. We didn't fit it to categories. We just wanted to do kind of the five that each of us liked. And each of us are going to, I say, I guess, retrofit. The category for each of our song choices oh yeah so let's address the uh the two elephants in the room here uh, of of what we left off of these lists before we launch in which is a lot yeah so woo by remy wolf woo but yes we already talked about it we already chose it and, and dissected it but i don't know about you but to me that's the clear clearly the best song of the year yeah
0: i also feel like as an artist like just she's put out
1: so much good music this year yeah. which um, also every single critic this year has completely ignored her slept I don't, on yeah. so slept on it's a it's, it's, it's a crime it's an absolute crime but anyway uh, just just as a reminder everyone listen to woo by remy wolf if you haven't already if you oh, yeah. do it six months ago and then forgot about it here's your reminder to listen to it it's the song <laughs> of the year for me Is it the song of the year for you? It's definitely the song of the year for me. Uh, Most Remy Wolf
0: songs are the songs of the year for me.
1: And then, of course, Fetch the Bolt Cutters by Fiona Apple is, uh, is getting its due. I think a few critics lists are doing a, a soft backlash just because mm. they... You know, expect it to to sweep but that was the album of the year for me uh this this list uh, of five songs could have been five songs from fetch the bolt cutters but
0: we've already talked about
1: it yeah going down that
0: road so Fiona, we're giving you fresh
1: fresh we're giving stuff. you fresh we're giving you new stuff we never talked about bad you know you should know don't know where it's at you arrive and drive by like I saw stuff back like you know you should know but you don't know where it's at like you know you should know but you don't know what so, you did so let's uh let's get started so first and just, category, as remi- just as a remind just
0: as a reminder before we get started um we don't have categories today mm-hmm. we are just bringing you fresh cuts and That we like. And Dane and I have each made up categories for each one of these songs. Yes, Completely made up. Neither of us have have heard
1: the other person's categories. So maybe this will be interesting. (laughs) The other person has to tell, uh, you have to tell me if uh, the song actually wins in the category that I made up. And I'll yeah you. so uh my very first category is uh is two things actually it's Ooh. one best uh birthday gift i received this year this this song came out mm. on my birthday mm. and two this is the most efficient song of 2020 mm. so this is mine by ohm spelled o-h-m-m-e This is a Chicago band and I have this song in particular and their album from this year, Fantasize Your Ghost, has been a, a, a late year dark horse for me. I've so been good. obsessed with this song, mine, and they actually put this album out and have been suffering a bit because they haven't been able to tour it, which is maybe uh, the most common thread throughout this throughout this year. So OM is a Chicago uh, duo of Seema Cunningham and Macy Stewart. They're both classically trained musicians. Uh, one of them is a violinist. They're both, I think, classically trained vocalists. And you can hear that. You can hear that in this mm-hmm. song, uh, especially. They have very lithe and limber, powerful voices. And they do stuff in this song and their songs that, for lack of a better word, is uh, I listen to it and I'm like, they're clearly doing music theory stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> they, get so good and they are actually I think a good way of understanding this uh, they are influenced by another uh, group that put out some good music this year Dirty Projectors Yep, but they are very clear about saying that it is Amber Kaufman and Deirdre Dorian era dirty projectors. So that would be the uh, Beta Orca era when both of those women made Dave Longstreth's music uh, good mm-hmm. <laughs> and listenable. Mm-hmm. And then they they promptly left because he's a ginormous asshole. And then his music became that of a ginormous <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah, although I will I will say that he put out this collection of five EPs this year. And it's Mm. actually very good. Um, I don't know who he's working with now. God bless them. (laughs) (laughs) So this song in particular is just phenomenal. It blows my mind. It cops the riff from Gimme Some Lovin' by the Spencer Davis group, Mm. which I think is, it's cool. They take this sort of like, oh, this is like a classic rock bass line. And it has the driving momentum of, you know, 60s and 70s classic rock. And then they just do some really demented stuff over the Yeah, time. It's such an immediate song. So the reason this is my most efficient song of 2020, it's three minutes long and it packs more ideas in it than uh, most albums I've heard this mm-hmm, year. Mm-hmm. So that is my first choice. Mine by Ohm.
0: Yeah, that song is so good. This album is probably my favorite album that came out this year. Oh, yeah. I, uh, I was texting our previous guest and good friend Katie in mm-hmm. and I said, you've got to check this out because every single thing that they do is unexpected. Yes. There's nothing in their songs that is predictable from one moment to the next. It feels, um, I actually think it. it feels a lot more like like Gang of Four than it does like Dirty Projectors. Like there's so much more punk in it. There's so much more like, you know, this this song, for instance, has like a, a, a pretty large chunk of it where there's like a, what I would call a guitar feedback solo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I w- would not expect to hear that in a Dirty Projectors yeah. song. It's a lot dirtier. Yeah, it's a lot yeah. uh, more raw while still being so calibrated and precise, you know. Yeah, this song, this band, so good. So mm. good. So did uh, did my song pass muster for most efficient song? Of the 100%. 100%.
0: Game? I would say if I were to categorize it, it'd be like best kick in the teeth it really is of 2020, but then they pick them back up and they uh, do and create dentures. For you. <laughs> um, cool. My my choice, my first category is best 2020 song that doesn't sound like it's from mm. the 2000s. <laughs> yep, and uh, the song I chose is "Fight M Finish" by Antibalas. So this song, if you listen to it, sounds like it could be a afro beat song from 1972. it has the same even like texture almost like it's been recorded in like a gritty tape machine in somebody's mm-hmm. basement or at a uh, really warm Bela cooties
1: compound you know
0: yeah it's just a, it's it's really warm it's really lovely it's a total jam and it's by this group antibalas that have been around for a quite a long time uh over 20 years at this point um they were founded by this saxophonist named martin perna founded in uh williamsburg in in what is referred to at least on spotify as a a pre-gentrified williamsburg Mm, important Important to uh, important to uh, to distinguish that yeah but this is an interesting group because they sort of have had like a number of incarnations they've had members of the dap kings they've had different singers come through different percussionists I believe it was early 2000s when their lead singer, whose name is Duke Amayo, joined. Uh, he is a very interesting fellow. He is an atelier, uh, so he makes clothes. Mm-hmm. And he also runs a dojo. So he, he sort of like is this renaissance man and also does these like really powerful. I would recommend you you watch some of their live stuff because it's he's a super good showman. And he, he is like totally the front man. I think the word front man or front woman or front person is overused. But this is like an example of somebody fronting a band and like leading right. the band. And yeah, this song is just really fun. Their music is very uh, much in the spirit of Fela Kuti and kind of the Afrobeat scene. It's very political. It's very anti-capitalist. Um, and I think this song in particular, which is off of their album, Foo Chronicles, which came out this year, uh, the horn section, that line is just so catchy.
1: They seem like the kind of group that like our sophomore year in college, we would have been like, oh, they're this weird uh, Afrobeat group. Oh, they're like playing at Sebring Hall. Let's uh, l- let's go get the free tickets there. And then it just like blows our minds, you know. They're, right. Like, exactly. That kind of thing. Um, you you definitely win this category. If you had told me <laughs> uh, if you had just played this for me, I would have been like, oh, are these contemporaries of, of Fela? Right. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah, this F- is- Fifty years later, they're just putting down
0: the jams. It's great.
1: Let me also say that all of your choices minus Phoebe are just completely off of the critics list radar. So you did a really good job. I'm glad I'm surprised too. Cause um, well, actually the one of the
0: songs I'm going to talk about later was nominated for album of the year Grammy, believe it or not, but yeah, a few of these, a few of these (laughs) are definitely under the radar. Um, But that album also was like, although it's, nominated for a Grammy. I don't think I got a lot of critical acclaim from the pitchforks and the stereo gums of the world. Right. Yeah, this was a
1: delight. My next category is not so fanciful. It's just a uh, chorus of the year. And I mean, what what better time than on a show called Chorus versus Chorus? I guess I should have prepared Mm. verse of the year as well. My chorus of the year is in "She's Stronger" by Nana Ajoa from her debut album, which actually came out just a couple months ago. Big dreaming ants. I've been really into this song and just playing it on repeat for like half a year now. Um, mm. I adore her. This is an artist. Uh, she is based in Amsterdam. And I think she grew up in the Netherlands and she is of Ghanaian descent. And she's just like, a, ah, she makes indie rock. I don't know how else mm. to categorize it, but you know, it's all you know analog sounds. And she constructed this song that is a little bit pixies-ish it's a little mm. grunge-ish it has mm. a chorus, a verse that is so soft that even her voice is kind of like speak singing a little bit in this kind of Sufyan breathy kind of whisper mm-hmm. and then it just explodes into the most anthemic chorus I've yeah. heard in any song in a long time She does that thing that I always love, where the like the third time we hit that chorus, it just layers. She just yeah. does the most judicious layering, and it it sounds so good. The song thematically actually uh, works really nicely here. In accordance with a lot of the themes that Fiona Apple was also doing. I would say an additional category for this Nana Joa song is a song that gets an A-plus on the Bechdel test. The Bechdel test? You don't know the Bechdel test? No, I don't. So the Bechdel test is what began Alison Bechdel's uh, comic strip that she's been doing since the 80s, where a character says, I only watch movies where there's more than one female character and they have a conversation with each other and it's not about a man. Mm hmm. And then the the joke is that you kind of start thinking about every famous movie and none of them mm-hmm. pass that test. She says, like, the only mm. thing I can watch is Alien. And <laughs> uh, then people kind of took it and turned it into this actual test that you apply to movies, which Alison Bechdel is like, eh, but OK, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like kind of more just a satirical point. Mm hmm. The song passes the Bechdel test. She she explains that this was just like some night out with a group of friends and there was this person she barely knew. And it was just this woman who just is this role model for her uh, in terms of being cool and socially putting herself out there. And I think she gets a tattoo on, on this drunken night and she mm. the Nana Joe's is looking at her and just being like, man, I wish I could be like, just brave and spontaneous like that.
0: Mm, mm-hmm.
1: And I think thematically, just the subject of this song is something I've never seen before. And I really adore, which is, and I think is is touched upon in Fiona Apple's album uh, from this year. Just this type of relationship between women that I think never art never gets made about. obsessed with this song i've listened to it a lot <laughs> and, it's so good it's so good it kind of um
0: the chorus is just that like right amount of pop it kind of reminds me of sky ferreira in a in a weird way i don't know if that makes so sense, weird
1: that you bring that up the, the verses kind of remind me specifically of red lips her song red lips that's mm-hmm. so interesting that you bring her up there is definitely a sky ferreira and like maybe garbage a little bit mm-hmm.
0: yeah there's a there's the first time that you played me sky ferreira um, I remember thinking, wow, I feel like I've heard this before. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've heard this chorus before, which is yeah. a good, I mean that in a good way. Like it's one of those things that's such a, it, it feels canonical. It feels yeah. like familiar, but it's also not, it's its never existed. It's, right. Yeah. There's something comforting about it. Like a, yeah. you know, you go into somebody's house and you're like, I feel like I've been here before. Right. Like, this I is, feel like I'm in mm-hmm. a home. Yeah. yeah.
1: And you know, everyone keeps saying every year guitar rock is dead. But I mean, I think there's been a lot of good guitar rock this year. And I agree.
0: Agreed. I I Agreed. So much good guitar rock. And frankly, almost all of it from women. So yeah. Woo.
1: Woo. Woo, baby. Woo indeed. <laughs> all right. Tell us about your choice, Declan McKenna. Mm. A man I just uh, discovered is one of a a short list of prominent pansexuals.
0: Yeah, this category is, it's one of two categories. I would say either best grow up slash glow up or um, (laughs) most, I don't want to say slept on, but like most unfairly treated for uh, strange reasons song slash artist so the song is Daniel you're still a child by Declan McKenna Declan McKenna is a British lad. He is a singer, songwriter, music producer, but also a big LGBTQ advocate, rights activist, and is actually like a very political artist, starting with the very first song that he released, which is a song that I don't know why it didn't receive more critical attention, Uh, but the song Brazil, which came out in 2015, um, sorry, 2014, December 2014. It was a big hit. Um, it reached number 16 in the billboard alternative charts. And he was God, he was a baby when this came out. So yeah. he was born in 1998. So he was 16. He's 21 right now. Wow. another and, word. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting, because he wrote this song, Brazil, it came out, it became a huge hit. He is this kind of, at the time, very awkward, pimply teenager, not a pop star at all in the making, just mm-hmm. kind of a kid who loops guitars and plays in coffee shops and wears funky clothes and is trying to figure out who he is. This The song Brazil is actually um, quite a political song, and it was all about basically how horrible it was that the World Cup was being played in Brazil and all of this money was being spent on these huh. huge stadiums uh, that would be in the middle of the jungle uh, when, you know, people in the country were yeah. starving and there's huge economic inequality. Well, that's random and, that he wrote that. Yeah. And um, being a young British pop star who's now really big um, overseas and, and locally in Britain, he gets hounded by the media and sort of put into a box. And he puts out an album called What Do You Think About the Car? And it is a it's not worth your, your time, frankly. It's a pretty pretty mediocre album. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that album came out, I had been psyched about it because I thought Brazil was a really cool song. Um, flash forward to that. I listened to the album for the first time. I'm pretty down on it. And I'm thinking, man, this is such a such a sad case of a young British artist being trampled on by the media, being boxed in and treated unfairly. And so hence me going like, eh, yeah, Declan McKenna, that's too bad, all of that. Probably never hear from him again. And then, boom, this album comes out, Zeros. It is really good. This is an artist who is finding his feet and finding his voice. And I think not being forced into a certain shape, um, or maybe forcing himself out of a shape that he was put into. Because, again, his first album was very much like, you know, they're trying to, his record label was very much trying to mold him into something. And when you're 16 and you're writing music, you know, Barely know what you want to do unless you're lord, right? Um, this album is great. It's it's very political. He has a song on the album called "British Bombs," which, as you can imagine, is uh, quite critical of UK foreign policy. Um, this album is very Bowie-esque, is very glam rock, yeah. um, and this
1: song is a banger. Like, it also had a Bruce oh. Springsteen U2 kind of anthem rock drama to it, I felt. Yeah, and drama is the right word because
0: it's just so... He he is a person who puts so much character into his vocals, and that's the thing that I think I admired most about Brazil, because if you listen to that song, he is like screeching like a madman. Yeah. And this album and this song in particular is him doing that again, doing that sort of ca- almost character-driven, narrative-driven kind of work. Daniel's
1: gone running. The trail's gone cold. You've been acting quite strangely since t-
0: If you watch him live, he just wears like totally random shit and his bandmates wear totally random shit. And normally you'd think if you're a slick band that's making this kind of like glam rock sound like you would want to have a cohesive look, nobody gives a fuck about that anymore. It's like everybody do your own thing and just do it the best that you can and this is an example of that. But I, I really like this song, I really recommend that people check this album out and I think Getting back to what I said initially, like I do think it's been slept on. I, I think it's really sad that this artist and this album just kind of passed everybody by because, Man. you know, when you're 16 and you put out music, it's really hard to follow that up. Especially again as a British artist, like it's just so notorious that media machine to just eat people up and spit them out. So kudos to Declan McKenna for continuing to forge ahead with his a music. Little Fiona
1: Appleish to, mm-hmm. kinda, to to overcome the hateful pressures of a toxic industry as a young person and then Mm -hmm. bounce back. My choice uh, is Noise terrorism of the year, uh, Guadalupe by Angelica Garcia. Uh, this is a-
0: another category this song could win is Aleph's least favorite song of the year. <laughs> oh, really? I played this for Aleph, uh, my fiance, and she's just like, I hate, I hate this. Please turn it off. <laughs> is she not like abrasive music? It's the abrasive, repetitive sample. Mm-hmm. That's just like, yeah, noise terrorism is a fair, a fair description.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. The whole album is Technicolor, genre-wise. Um, so Angelica Garcia is a 24-year-old artist who currently lives in Virginia. She grew up in LA and is of Mexican and Salvadoran descent. In a, in a lot of ways, she incorporates you know, on this album in particular textures from her Salvadoran and Mexican roots mm-hmm. in a way that just from that sentence, you can tell it's just absolute catnip to critics, to music mm-hmm. critics, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, world textures. I think, you know, she definitely hints at that throughout the album. But I think she is, in a lot of the songs on the album, just inventing completely new sounds out mm-hmm. of whole cloth. A little bit of, you know, Run the Jewels, and LP, a little bit of Bjork Uh, In certain ways, you know, in certain parts of the album, it goes very electronic. Like this song I chose, a lot of it is indie rock. It's maybe not everyone's cup of tea production wise because the songs get quite noisy. Mm -hmm. So this song, Guadalupe, is maybe a little LP-ish, a little Kanye West-ish. It features a a very insistent, noisy uh, sample of the singer's voice. Mm -hmm. And just like I would say an apocalyptic Base synth line mm-hmm. underneath. That just sounds very good to me.
0: Matriarch since fourteen, all the grown men bend on one knee. Grab it with the mystery swimming in questions
1: ways deep. I was looking up to the gods when I started saying I And what I really love about it is it sounds very ominous, but it is an aggressively liberatory and positive song. My other category name for this kind of contradicts what I was saying at the top of the episode, trying to like find a theme for our times. But I, I, I do think in a lot of ways, this is the ultimate anti-Trump anthem of the year. This is about Guadalupe, the Virgin Mary, and She's mm-hmm. kind of reaching into her her Catholic roots again, doing it in this noise style. That's very uh, indebted to the LA Chicano kind of street culture as Mm -hmm. well, that she's very into that she sings about very explicitly, but this song looks to the Virgin Mary as a modern feminist icon you know i say it's such an anti trump anthem because it is looking both to mexican and central american culture for liberation and for as this like extremely positive anti trump's rhetoric kind of way mm-hmm. being very forceful about what it means to be a woman and mm-hmm. like looking to these traditions to reframe what it means uh, to be a woman in you know catholic doctrine Before she gets to the chorus, she says, Power isn't defined by your physique. Ave Maria. So, looking to this figure who is glorified, a woman mm. who is glorified by, you know, billions of people in a way that is completely non sexualized. Mm. And I think it's super cool and super aggressive. And I love the juxtaposition between its sort of scary sound and its very positive message.
0: The song that I chose for the category of best gobbledygook is Find A Way by Duckworth. So this album, uh, Super Good, is Duckworth's major label debut. Before I talk about the song, I have to talk about this album. I was really psyched on this album because Duckworth's EP, the Falling Man EP that came out last year was really good. And one of my favorite pieces of work from 2019, I was really excited about what he was doing. And the EP like didn't really have a cohesive sound, which I actually really appreciated. And it's something I've appreciated about a lot of music that I've been listening to lately. And I think is very like kind of late 2010s of people just throwing everything in a wall and whatever sticks sticks, and it doesn't really have to have this like completely cohesive sound. Um, this album, Super Good, kind of felt like his label was like, all right, what we want you to do is sound like Miguel. And he was like, but I don't want to sound like Miguel. And they're like, but we'd really appreciate it if you sounded like Miguel as much as possible. And then he trust made an album that kind of sounded like boring Miguel. Mm. But, but this song, oh no, this is exquisite gobbledygook. <laughs> it starts with nonsense, a nonsense humming, sung, spoken thing. If you don't dance or shake your butt when you're listening to this song, I think your heart has frozen and turned to ice. And it's also something I really like about it is he's doing the thing that he's done in his music prior, which he didn't do throughout this album, but he's like putting on characters. Every verse mm-hmm. is like a different person. Every verse is a different way of rapping, a way, different way of delivering the lyrics. And it's just like so exciting. Listening to the song over and over and over, you kind of like are peeking around the corner to see what's next.
1: This is no miracles can always happen Had some that was trapping. couldn't leave what they was trapping. Find a way lavish that I, was
0: I think lavish. it also is lovely to, to hear something even if you have to wait until literally the last song on the album uh something this exciting to hear from an artist that I really
1: liked last year it is richer than the other stuff I've heard from him musically a little more chance in the inspired, I think a little more, yeah. you know, bright in that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, backing horn section, a little mm-hmm. gospely way. I think it's it's it, also too to that
0: point, like some of the lyrics are talking about, you know, I, I used to have friends who were trapping, now are like living in mansions and having mm-hmm. a good time and partying with people and it's very much that sort of like like you said, chance a rapper kind of like religious uplift I'd kind ride, of the, the light sir, at the end sir, of the tunnel theme.
1: My next category is Tear Jerker of the Year. Strange Girl by Laura Marling uh, from her album Song for Our Daughter, which I've been bumping all year. And this is uh, definitely uh, the polar opposite from the Angelica Garcia album. So I'm sure Elif can bump this while she's... <laughs> and uh, not, be, not be disturbed. Uh, Laura Marling is uh, a British singer-songwriter. I would say this is typical singer-songwriter material. It's all just about the, you know, it's all about the execution, not about the Angelica Garcia gumbo of, uh, of influences and ideas. But what a singer-songwriter album this is. So Song for Our Daughter are all songs written for Laura Marling's fictional daughter. Hmm. Uh, who clearly uh, has not been born. So this is a a hypothetical person that she is talking to Mm -hmm. and sort of using uh, this idea of a daughter who could come to be at some point and come into this world kind of exploring the complexities of of motherhood this song strange girl is the third song on the album and comes from a string of i'd say also just the greatest one two three punch on any album uh, that came mm. out this year alexandra held down and then strange girl so again this song is addressed to a not even laura marling's not pregnant this is just a literally unborn you know perhaps to be born daughter that will come into this world the lyrics to this song are i love you my strange girl Though it's not necessarily reflected in the in the music, which is a little Joni Mitchell-ish, a little Birds-ish, has a mm-hmm. nice back to Steve Winwood, bouncy. I don't know if I can articulate what makes those lyrics that make it so touching for me. Just sort of thinking about your future daughter, kind of as a as a young woman, and the verse says, "Woke up in a country who refused to hold your hand." hold your hand keep falling for narcissists to cystic call a man You work late for a job you hate you never fit the plan stay low keep breathe i love you much i don't know it just really mixes in with tender feelings that i have when i look back on myself as an angry young teenager you know a strange lonely angry hopefully brave teenager. And also just uh, this general idea of thinking about what it means to bring a person into the world and face a country that refuses to hold your hand and uh, is in the grip of narcissists who insist you call them man. Hopefully your future child can be strange and unique, can be okay with being lonely in this world, can be angry in the right ways, and can hopefully be brave. It's uh, it's the tearjerker of the year. It's a really just beautiful song from a beautiful album.
0: You've always been a sucker for a sad song that sounds pretty happy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm sure you did not uh, know that that was the concept when you first heard this. So, so, what do you what do you think now that you've you've heard that idea?
0: Yeah, I I think it fits the bill. Um, I mean, I'm about to talk about talk about cheerjerkers. The hardest I'll talk about in a moment is definitely full of them. But I have personally found the saddest songs to me to not be sad sounding. Yeah, and it's one of the things for me in, in the way in which I listen to music is. I listened to lyrics last, and Mm -hmm. so it's almost like even sadder when you come to realize the message of a song after getting the feel of a song. It's almost like the disappointment is deeper, the kind of
1: sadness you feel learning the news uh, is, is harder. To be clear, I don't think this song is sad at all. Uh, it's it's not a tearjerker, because I think it's tragic. I think it's um, extremely hopeful in a way that mm. uh, makes me feel very fragile. <laughs> mm, I see. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I either way, it's, I it's, mean, do you do you think that concept is sad? Or do you think it's?
0: I think it is sad. I think it's an acknowledgement that like, I think it's an acknowledgement that our entire generation is starting to make that like, our generation in many ways and in many very measurable quantitative and tangible ways has not had it as good as our parents generation yeah. for the first time in many generations things yeah. have actually not improved and they have gotten significantly worse in many ways yeah. and to admit that in a song mm-hmm. which I think is what she's doing in a lot of ways to say like you're going to be entering into a world that doesn't necessarily accept you and I'm going to try and give you strength and Yeah. I mean, as hopeful as that is, as loving as that is, it is is also an acknowledgement of a pretty tragic reality that I think underlies that. And so I do feel like it's tear jerking in in a way that it's honest and vulnerable, but it's also tear jerking in a way that it's accepting something that's really pretty sad and profound. Yeah. Uh, My tear jerker is not in the category of tear jerker, but it is. Uh, So this is the song I Know the End by Phoebe Bridgers from her album Punisher. And punishing it is. Such a good album title. So I could have categorized this as Ethan's most ignorant choice because I had never listened to Phoebe Bridgers before this year. I like knew of her. In the same way that like I knew of like Julian Baker and I kind of was like, I'm aware of this person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never really decided to investigate. And then I can't remember who it was, but somebody was like, Oh, you should listen to this album, and I was like, Okay. Probably Caleb. Uh probably Caleb. Thanks, Caleb. This album is very good. Every song has her stamp on it, It and it's very clearly her vision. And like I think you can also hear the way in which she writes songs. Her in,
1: perspective is unmistakable. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and write songs both musically and lyrically. Like there's clearly a, a person sitting in their bedroom with electric guitar that's not plugged into an amp, like with a notebook next to them, writing out these like really haunting images and like beautiful lyrics and stitching together something very amazing. But the production on this album, every song sounds unique and every song sounds different and every song has something different to offer texturally and production wise and this song uh, I have chosen for the category of best lyric that should have been in a built to spill song from the mid 90s interesting (laughs) because I just decided to make up that category for this but there's a lot to have picked from this album. There's a lot to have talked about from this song. The song has multiple parts. It's got some really heavy shit going on at the end.
1: Very Sufjan.
0: Very Sufjan, for sure. Very Age of Odds. The thing that I felt was very built to spill, very uh, Doug March was the line, over the coast, everyone's convinced. Which is so many levels of like gorgeous and disturbing and otherworldly and yeah. and it's just that's just what she does so well throughout this entire album. I mean, even within this song, there's just so many really incredible lyrics that you can pull from.
1: Yeah, she's a sloganeer like Doug March in the tattooable lyrics.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There is something that's that I really appreciate about specificity in songwriting that speaks to much broader themes. You know, even using somebody's proper name in a way that's really universal is, is a unique quality and a unique gift for a songwriter. And I feel like she does that so well. Her ability to describe, she says, windows down scream along to some america first rap country song a slaughterhouse an outlet mall slot machines fear of god Her her ability to paint an image that is a specific place in time, that
1: is also every place in time, it's like Mm -hmm. really amazing. Yeah, she has uh, such a distinctive persona and she's, you know, not to be cliche, but has that, you know, whole wise beyond her years kind of Mm -hmm. thing. Her perspective is so, uh, such an aerial view, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, um, there's the
0: writerly story that I think Mm -hmm. has been told many times, but the professor tells the student, um, okay, I want you to write a, a poem about this house. And the student can't come up with anything original or interesting. And then they say, okay, I want you to write a, a story or a poem Um, about this wall of the house. And the the person can't come up with anything original or interesting and then the the professor says, okay, I want you to write a poem about this brick in the wall, just describe this brick. And then all of a sudden it unlocks this like beautiful poem that the student can write. And I feel like that's what she's able to do. And she can just, again, pick out these details that are just so tangible and like real and right there in front of you that it, it really puts you in the story.
1: So my final uh, category is Epic of the Year. And I say that with all due disrespect to Sufjan Stevens, who <laughs> put out uh, the overlong stinker of the year. Uh, oh, no. But you know what? It's fine. Doesn't all have to be gems. He's made like 10 classics, so it's like mm-hmm. fine. But this is not about Sufjan. This is about There Must Be More Than Blood by Carseed Headrest. Um, so Carseed Headrest is one of those groups it's kind of a uh, more of a moniker for one particular artist. And he kind of has the band around him. His name is Will Toledo. I'm not sure if he's from Toledo, but his name (laughs) is definitely Will Toledo. Uh, Car Seed Headrest, though, is one of those groups where you have a really... tense fan base around his music. Yeah. He's not just another one of those kind of like pitchfork bands that a bunch of people like hear is good and you know put mm. it in their in their mix or whatever. It's like this is like kind of like die hard, get a tattoo of the right. lyrics kind of kind of group that m- making music that really means something very special to a lot of people. I um I haven't been able to 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 catch on to a lot of his music, although it's it's something that I've been interested in exploring. It just uh you know and, you know, this album that he put out this year, making a door less open was not celebrated at all. I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think critics or fans like loved it that much. And this song in particular is, is kind of under the radar. I have uh, my friend Thomas to thank. Actually, in May, when it started getting warm again, the, the first time we saw someone in the flesh for two months, uh, our friend Thomas came uh, and sat like 12 feet away down the steps from our front porch. Mm-hmm. And seeing we were the first humans that we'd seen in two months uh, in the flesh, and, and we both we all started getting choked up. Mm-hmm. and we sat there and we hung out and made a shared spotify playlist and thomas uh, put this on on the magazine cover with your blue eyes read it from cover to cover looking for you well, these are not my people. It is one of a handful of songs that just reminds me of the confusion and fear and hope and in some ways relief of life kind of, you know, a lot of the inconveniences and stresses of life stopping in Mm. spite of it being the apocalypse, you know, that Mm. kind of feeling that we all tap into in apocalyptic movies where it's like, that would suck, but it would also end all of the bullshit. Of yeah. life
0: wouldn't have to commute.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of nice. You know, that time in April and May, I'm going to be sorting through those feelings uh, for the rest of my life, because they're mm. very confusing. There Must Be More Than Blood is uh, one of the soundtracks to that. Probably comes second to She's Stronger as the chorus of the year, the way that he builds that tension before letting it bloom into the chorus is is phenomenal.
0: This is, uh, this is, it's like my, um, what if Interpol made more chill music. Oh, interesting. (laughs) You know, like, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense, but it, it, I I really like this. It felt like, um, something in between Beck and Interpol. Like, I I just really enjoyed what was happening. It's a song that like, you know, you're like, yeah, that deserves seven minutes of my time.
1: It really does. Yeah. I love a, I love an (laughs) epic that proves its worth.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's sort of like the Yola Tango song we talked about recently, where you're just like, I don't need to be and en- constantly entertained. Like there's, there's something about being able to groove and that will be important for the song I'm yeah. about to talk about, but being able to groove and just trusting that the listener will follow. Right. Yeah. Like this is something that talking about the Antibalas song, like that music is couched in the idea of almost like hypnosis. Right.
1: right well i having and having faith that the original groove uh, is groovy has, enough. has the integrity right to yeah. carry you through not yeah. like the ohm song not like mine they're not you know he's not stuffing 10 different ideas in each 10 second block he's catching a groove yeah yeah exactly
0: and there's really something special about being able to do that and it definitely takes a, a lot of craft craftspersonship to do to do that so,
1: Oh,
0: let's wrap up yeah. let's wrap up here the song I chose uh, is the winner of the category of best song of completely ruined by one section very positive of you i was giving you shit on the <laughs> text message about this um and this uh, this award goes not only to this song but to the artist actually himself who is jacob collier and the song okay. i chose is time alone with you which features the indomitable daniel caesar wait so you you switched back i did is it because i told you i didn't like the new choice yes but i can talk about this song too okay they have the same problem okay so, so, I chose this song uh, for, or excuse me, I chose the category of uh, best song completely ruined by a chorus, or really best song ruined by one section of the song. Or you said uh, by doing too much, or biting off more than it could chew. That is part of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, Jacob Collier, um, who, who I've talked about before on this show, is uh, a British musician. He is a complete musical savant. Um, From the age of three, he's composing music. He's got perfect pitch, uh, even to semitones. He is, I mean, just YouTube. Just go on YouTube and look up Jacob Collier and you'll get it. He's just one of these people who is like the nerdiest musician you've ever met, but like literally a hundred times better than them. Um, And so he's got to be one of the most talented, purely talented in terms of technical ability musicians out there. Um, But... But how do you feel about him as a songwriter, Ethan? <laughs> um, the song that I've talked about before with Jacob Collier is a cover of a Beach Boys song. And the problem with Jacob Collier is that because he is so good, he has absolutely no patience musically. Mm-hmm. And so, whereas the Carcy Headrest song is comfortable and uh, assured enough in itself to go for seven minutes and groove for seven minutes, or the Antibalas song is cool doing that. Jacob Collier cannot do that for seven seconds, let alone seven minutes. And so this song is exemplary of the problem with Jacob Collier's music. And um, this song is nominated, uh, is rather on an album that is nominated for album of the year, which is wrong. That is just, it's it's, yes, it's Grammys. They're wrong often, but like objectively, this is not album of the year in any way, shape or form, because none of these songs are song of the year. And I say this, very sadly because there's so much good stuff in this song. Yeah, and in all of Jacob Collier's songs, there's so much good stuff. This song, again, features Daniel Caesar. And the first section of this song is like the best D'Angelo song you've ever
1: heard. I was going to say it's uh, a very confident voodoo ripoff. And it's is, completely... Is love drumming or are they just ripping off voodoo?
0: No, he's... And, and again, a thing about Jacob Collier, he plays every instrument and okay. he plays this. And he's not doing the thing that famously quest love was told to do by dangelo which was basically make it sound drunker mm-hmm. um he is he is literally counting out pentuplets mm-hmm. and doing a very like staid version of this kind of like uh j dilla style oh, yeah. behind the beat some. thing Time alone
1: yeah, we could go dancing all night soak up the disco all night. I dig it when I get that.
0: But that said, it is a groove. like this song Sounds should good. be this section, Daniel Caesar doing his Daniel Caesar thing for like eight minutes and it would be so good. But Jacob Collier cannot fucking help himself and so he has to come in with these like insane sections that mean nothing and have no cohesion and do nothing for the song until you get back to daniel caesar doing really rad shit there's there's so much to like he does a sort of uh angelica garcia problem just kind of uh right but angelica garcia is consistent right? right this is like this is like somebody who's 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 the bored kid in the back of class piping up and making jokes and you just can't get him to shut the fuck up for five seconds. My, and I to There's there's so many good nuggets in the song. There's this weird little melody that he does before the introduction of the verse. It's like Ooh, really weird, really spooky, but fits and, it, yeah. and it's it's this weird way to get back into the verse. It's really chilled out. There's really um, there's a beautiful like kind of chorus section that Daniel Caesar does in his falsetto that's really cool. but it just he can't help
1: himself. Times may fight, our hearts grow heavy, so good, so bright, you're all I know you wanna... Make it to Nirvana lay your day in bed with me and teach me how to love you. But all that being said, I liked Time Alone with you and I also like uh, blowing out the the speakers. I mean, I thought it was like I thought it was cool. I thought the D'Angelo riff was shameless in a really mm-hmm. puckish way, in a really mm-hmm. like enjoyable mm-hmm. way. And then the way it explodes, I was like, but you know, I, I like being pummeled
0: yeah but it's 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 not re-listenable is the problem every uh, there's there's i feel like this is the same problem with certain like movies that i've watched like maybe like a guy Ritchie movie where you're like there is a lot of stuff i like in this but i just like have to skip this scene because this scene is like so gratuitous or stupid yeah, right. and you're kind of like sitting there waiting for the good part yeah. i feel like every single jacob Collier song i'm just like waiting for the good part and then it's like there's always a bad part, and the, there's always like the loudest part
1: is the worst part. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I, I want so much more from this artist. Everything you just said was 2020 in a nutshell. <laughs> there's just so many bad parts, and then there's like an occasional good part, and then you keep waiting for more good stuff, but then mm-hmm. uh, it's too loud. Yep. Yeah, here was too loud.
0: Here was way <laughs> too loud. Yeah, so I had to I had to put in this song. And I had to choose this category because I did feel like it was very emblematic of 2020 where you're like, there are some good things in here, but holy shit, do I really have to sit through the rest of it? Right.
1: Yeah. So let me, uh, if, if you may indulge me, I want to just tell the listeners about a few other albums that I really like this year that I think you should check out, check out the angel you don't know by Amore. Very good. Uh, Mm -hmm. Check out Charlie XCX's, Quarantine album, How I'm Feeling Now, which she made in six weeks. She took to Instagram with sketches of the song and got a lot of input from her fans and actually Mm -hmm. revised it. Uh, And it's really, she's the only person who even tried doing something like that. Taylor Swift did her albums during quarantine, but they're just like a completely different kind of experiment. Charlie XCX was like, I want to capture the intensity of the first couple months of quarantine Mm. remy wolf's i'm allergic to dogs uh the strokes put out a really great album this Mm. year is a total return to form the new abnormal run the jewels four is their best album since run the jewels two you know what this year sucked but it was a good year for music for me um this year sucked for ethan and the music sucked for ethan as well (laughs) (laughs) i mean the music didn't suck it was just uh it's just hard to hard to hard to enjoy Yes. But, um, music is fun.
0: Music is fun. This was, this is fun. Um, if nothing else, this year has given me another excuse to spend time with my best friend and talk about things we love and, uh, put it out to the world so they can listen to us talk about the things that we love. So we love you all. Love you. Thanks everyone.